0: and welcome to I Read a Book Once. My name is Emma, and this is a podcast where I talk about books. Today, I'll be talking about The Kiss Quotient by Helen Huang. And uh, now I'm going to provide this warning for my grandma. So, if you're my family, please don't listen to this episode. You don't need to know that I read this romance novel. Just stop here, please. If you're not my family or in a imp- future employer, potentially, you don't need to listen to this either, future employers out there, then go ahead and listen. I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. Whatever. The Kiss Quotient, which is a super popular romance novel about a woman with autism who hires an escort to teach her how to be good at sex slash how to be in a relationship. Now, this is a book that I have resisted reading for a long time and that I've been, it came out in, I think, 2018. Let me check. Yeah, it came out in 2018 and I've heard all about it. It's super popular. I've heard many, many YouTubers talk about it. I've seen it on bookstagram, things like that, but I had always kind of resisted because I was like, I don't know. This is kind of an interesting concept. I'm not sure. Like, and I'd only heard really good things about it, but I was like, I don't know. And then one of my college roommates read it over the summer and she was like, Emma, I read a sexy book. That's not exactly what she said, but basically, right. And I was like, oh, what was it called? She was like the kiss quotient. And I was like, that's just a romance. Cause I thought she read an erotic romance novel where the only plot is sex. There's not really any other plot other than sex. She was like, no. And so I was like, and she said she really enjoyed it. Like she had a grand time with it. And I was like, you know what? This is all I needed to push me into getting it. So August is my birthday month. And for Book of the Month, once you're a member long enough, you get a free book during your birthday month. So. I got the Kiss Quotient for free from Book of the Month, and I was not disappointed, you guys. It was fabulous. It was totally worth the hype, and I really enjoyed it. Will I read the other books in the series? Probably, but I don't know if I will pay for them in that I might go to the library and pick them up. I might use a Book of the Month credit or something like that, but this one, Chef's Kiss, it was so good. So, Without further ado, I think we should get into the plot summary so I can get into the discussion section because I have so many thoughts and opinions to share. Literally, I wrote so much on my little notepad right here that's in front of me that you can't see because this is a podcast, not a video. And so um, let's get into the plot summary. As always, I must issue a spoiler warning that I am going to spoil the entire plot of this book. So, if you don't want The Kiss Quotient by Helen Huang to be spoiled, stop here, go read the book, would totally recommend it, and then come back and listen to this episode. I have a feeling it's going to be a good one. So, basically, like I said, Stella is the main character and she has autism. She actually has what used to be called Asperger's, which is no longer a valid, I don't know if valid is the right word, but it's no longer a um, diagnosis that they give. Instead, they use a term I think that is high-functioning autism. And so, basically, for Stella, she has trouble with social interactions and also a bit of a filtering issue, I'll say, in that sometimes she says things that uh, a person without autism would not say because they, it would be considered rude or something like that. She also has sensory sort of issues in that she's very particular about how things feel and a lot of noise and things like that can really get to her. And um, she gets over-sensi- sens- sens- oversensitized. I'm not sure if I'm, saying that, if I'm saying that right, but that's the basic idea. And so she's 30 years old and her parents are basically sitting her down and they're like, Stella... You need a boyfriend, we want some grandbabies, things like that, as parents do. And in this book, Stella is Asian and her love interest, Michael, is half Vietnamese, half Swedish. It's never um specified what Stella's ethnicity is, but it is that clear that she is an Asian woman. And so an Eastern Asian woman, actually, to be precise exact, you know what I mean? Okay, so she's like okay, I mean Sure, and she has this interaction with one of her coworkers named Philip, where he's basically like, "Are you a virgin?" Blah blah blah. And Stella has had sex before three times with three different men, and they were all very negative interactions in that they were painful. She didn't enjoy them. They were very quick. These men weren't attentive lovers, and so she has not enjoyed sex. This guy's like well, why don't you go get an escort, basically? Because Stella spends all her free time, basically, at work, even on the weekends. And so she's like, you know what, Philip? She doesn't say this to him. I will hire an escort. And then we enter, enters Michael, the male main character, and he is an escort, which is such a wild concept for this book. But like, we're going for it. I'll talk about that later. And so he only escorts on Friday nights, and he does it to support his family and pay bills. But at the beginning of the book, it's kind of unclear what bills he's paying, but you find out he's paying his mom's medical bills because she has cancer, although that's not revealed until later on and I'll get to that as well. And so Stella hi- hires him for the night and they have this dinner and she does not reveal that she has autism to him. And so they're eating and then they go upstairs to the hotel room. And um, basically, Stella says, I have this proposal. I want to hire you long term for you to teach me how to be good at sex, basically, so that I can then find a man and have a like good relationship, basically. Right. And so they go upstairs and he kind of is like teaching her how to kiss. But before they can get much further than that, Stella kind of hyperventilates and she can't really go further. So Michael has her just like, They kind of cuddle and they watch a movie and fall asleep. So Michael has this policy that he doesn't see women more than once. He doesn't do repeat customers, basically. And Stella is like, no, I want you to, like, help me out. And he's like, no. And so he ends up leaving but comes back because he's kind of drawn to Stella, right? Obviously. She's a doll. And so, like, he comes back and he's like, three. I'll only do three more appointments. And she's like, Okay. So then they meet again and they get a little bit further, but again, they're not having sex. And Stella actually comes with a checklist of all the things she wants to learn how to do. And it's so funny. It's like um lecture on how to give a hand job, practice hand job, hand job performance, like things like that, or like missionary, doggy style, whatever. So funny. And so like they start trying to work on that, but again, she gets overwhelmed. She can't she's not ready for it, right? So they don't have sex. And then Michael says, okay, next time I'm bringing you out to a club. And Stella says, okay. So now we're starting to get out of just like their meeting. So we meet Michael's cousin, Quan. And so, and as well as his other cousin, Mm, what is his other cousin's name? Okay, I literally just spent like five, Last minutes finding the other cousin's name. His name is Kai. And so Kai and Quan are brothers, and Kai also has autism, which is a relevant plot point. So, anyways, Michael brings Stella to this club and she is going along with it, even though she doesn't like dancing, she doesn't like the loud music, things like that. So, Quan ends up being there and she meets him and they're chatting, and then an ex client. Of Michael's is there, goes up and rubs him, rubs herself all over Michael, and it's the crazy stalker client that Michael is the reason why Michael doesn't do repeat clients anymore, and kisses him, and Stella runs out and she's oversensitized by the loud music and the lights. I don't think the lights, but the loud music and things like that. Quan follows her outside and is like, "Do you have autism?" Basically, and she's like, "Yes," and so then like, but she's like, "Don't tell Michael, like he doesn't know things like that." And then she's also very upset, obviously, because she saw Michael and this other woman kissing. And so then um, e- eventually they like kind of make up and Michael brings her back home and is like, I can make you feel good. And she's not ready to have sex. And she's like, you know what? I want to take the sex out and I want just to practice a relationship, basically. So she's like, you're going to be my practice boyfriend. And he's like, I don't know if I can commit to that yet. And then... Kwan and Michael have a conversation in which Kwan is like, do you ever think Stella's kind of like Kai? And Michael's like, no, what are you talking about? Blah, blah, blah. Like he's not putting the pieces together. And then um, Stella normally has a housekeeper who does her dry cleaning for her, but the housekeeper's sick or her daughter's sick or something like that. So Stella decides to bring her blouses and things like that to the dry cleaners. So she shows up and she's helping this old woman out and then she goes inside and guess who's there it's Michael Michael's family owns this dry cleaning business and does alterations this is when we finally learn part of Michael's backstory is that he used to be a designer in New York he went to fashion design school he was working for a company and when his mom got sick he had to drop out come back home well not drop out but quit his job and come back home to help support her and take care of the family business basically He doesn't really like it, and it's stifling him and his creativity and things like that, but that's what he does. And she accidentally ends up meeting Michael's mom, who I think mom in Vietnamese is... May. It's like M-E with like a dot under the E, who they call May the whole time, which I don't know if I'm saying that right. I apologize for my pronunciation. Who ends up realizing, because Michael kisses her and then the mom sees. So she's like, come to dinner tonight. So then Stella ends up having to go to dinner and Michael agrees to be her practice boyfriend, basically. And the dinner goes so horribly bad. It's so awful. Stella, like, doesn't realize that Michael's dad, which I haven't mentioned yet, there's some, there's the whole time this weird, like underlying secret about Michael's dad has left and he's a bad man and you know he's a cheater but he's also like stolen money and done something else but you don't know what and Michael keeps saying like I'm too similar to my dad like blah 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 and you're kind of like what is going on with the secret and so anyways I need to speed this up I'm taking five ever so she goes and she ends up asking these questions about like the dad and like where he is and like questions about the mom then it's revealed that she has cancer and things like that and like she also because of her autism like they're microwaving plastic and so that's like bad it can be poisonous and like chemicals and things like that so she keeps saying like you can't do that like i can't eat that things like that and the michael's mom ends up crying and stella leaves and so michael should have first of all i'm gonna talk i have a lot of thoughts and opinions on this scene i'm not gonna do them here i promise i will talk about them later i have many many thoughts and so then michael brings her back home and stella's like very upset that she did this she like feels horrible so the next day she goes to dry cleaners with chocolate and flowers and apologizes to her to michael's mom for like upsetting her she didn't mean it and she says come to dinner again tonight we'll try again And so Michael ends up like they end up going again and it goes much better. And Michael's family, he's got a bunch of sisters, his mom and his grandma. They end up all really liking her and like wanting her to be a part of the family. So it goes much better after that first disastrous meeting. So Michael and Stella, their relationship continues to evolve and they're both kind of feeling each other and they do end up having sex. And Michael ends up kind of basically moving in and they're going on dates, whatever, and eventually, I'm kind of skipping over the whole middle where it's, like, more happy stuff of them, like, falling in love, and Stella's working on this problem, and she realizes, like, why do men stop buying underwear at a certain point in their lives, like, their own underwear, And Michael ends up being like oh it's that's obvious the women that they're like they're in love like the women buy the underwear for them basically things like that so then um Stella ends up realizing that she's in love with Michael and she doesn't want him to just be her practice boyfriend like she wants to like truly be with him and so she buys him underwear to kind of like show that right and like hides it in the drawer and she asks him to go to this like fancy dinner thing that her parents are going to be at and meet her parents and this guy Philip from earlier, who like she originally thought like she might want to date and her parents kind of like were like, Oh, you could date Philip. He's there with his mom. And it turns out his mom is Michael's crazy ex client. So that is not good. And it's not revealed at the table per se that he is an escort, but it's revealed that he um has slept with Philip's mom previously. And when his parents like ask what he when her parents ask what he does, he's not really like being he obviously doesn't say he's an escort, but he says, like, you know, nothing. He works at the dry cleaner, blah, blah, blah. So, the dad doesn't really like him. And so, Sel and Michael end up, like, walking out to the outside part of this dinner. And they get in this big argument where Michael's, like, like, do you want me just to, like, go home and, like, have sex with you, whatever. And Sel's, like, no, that's not what I want. Like, blah, blah, blah. And they end up basically breaking up. And Michael, like, breaks it off. And he's, like, I can't do this. Like, I... Uh, you hired me to, like, get over your social anxieties, like, if, n- and then basically reveals that he knows that she has autism because he ends up putting it together um, after the whole dinner fiasco of what Quan um, basically said of, like, does she remind you of Kai? Blah, blah, blah. And so he ends up being, like, breaking up with her and revealing that he knows that. Stella thinks that he breaks up with her because of her autism and that he wants, like, a normal girl, basically, doesn't want somebody with these, her problems. And, He thinks that Stella doesn't like like him as anything more than just for sex. So they break up. They're both pretty miserable. Philip asks Stella out on a date, which she agrees to go on, but refuses to kiss him, like doesn't want anything with him. And Michael then realizes that like, you know, I got to fight for her basically because Stella ends up helping his sister Janie get an internship. And Janie's like, yeah, she's kind of miserable too, blah, blah, blah. And they end up... uh, He ends up, like, seeing Stella leaving this date with Philip and is, like, basically reveals that he's in love with her and she also reveals she's in love with him. And then they date and they're together for real. And I feel like I'm glossed over slash missed some stuff at the end right there, but that's okay. You should read the book and you can get all the details from that. So, oops, just hit my microphone. So, that is the plot of The Kiss Quotient. It's time for the discussion section. And I think where we need to start with is what I was hinting at in the plot summary about the scene where Stella meets Michael's family. I am irrationally angry at Michael for this whole scene because he did not tell Stella, did not tell her that, you know, his mom was sick did not say, like, don't mention my dad, you know, he ran away and stole this money, which I understand that's, like, a sensitive topic, but she didn't even say, he didn't even say, like, my dad's not in the picture, don't ask about him. Just, like, let Stella go off and say these things, like, just, like, didn't provide Stella with any of the knowledge she would need that even if you didn't have autism, you would definitely fuck up that situation, Oh my god i forgot to provide a warning at the beginning i'm gonna have to do it at the end because my grandma's been listening to my episodes and i do not want her to listen to this episode oh my god okay i gotta get a pen oh my god okay i wrote myself a note back to what i was saying okay so even if you didn't have autism and let's say i went to this dinner and i was just like oh yeah where's your husband okay bro Anybody would have made a mistake like that. Not anybody would be like, I'm not going to eat this because you microwaved it with plastic. However, people would ask about like, you know, where your husband is, why he's not there, like things like that. Anybody would ask about that. Michael was in the wrong in this. Yes, Stella screwed up the conversation, but she was not provided any like warning. And so I felt really bad for her and really bad for May, and, like, this whole thing, I was just, like, oh, my God, this is such a train wreck disaster, and Michael could have prevented it by just saying, like, bro, don't ask about my dad. He's not in the picture. Oh, that whole thing. So, whatever. Whatever. Michael, while I enjoyed him, I did not love him as much as Stella. Stella was the sweetest character Ever. I loved her so much. So at the beginning of the book, the tone reminds me of when you first start to read a Brown sister's novel by Talia Hibbert. And that, which actually makes sense, this is a bit of a spoiler of the Eve Brown book, so maybe skip ahead 30 seconds if you don't want that spoiled. But like it makes sense in light of in the Eve Brown book, it's kind of revealed and brought forth that Eve has autism and it's very likely that her sisters also do. So it makes sense that the tone of these books are similar, but basically, the beginning of this book is the same thing where it's a bit jarring. You're starting to read the book and, like, if I didn't know that this was a good book and I hadn't already purchased it and whatever, if I, because a lot of times when I go to the library or bookstore, I'll read the first couple pages to see do I like sort of the tone and the writing style of this book and if I do, then I'll take, I'll buy it or I'll check it out or whatever and if I don't, I'll put it back And with this book in particular, if I had just read the first chapter, I would not have picked it up. But the further you get into it, the better. And I think you just need to get used to how Stella talks, basically. Like, not necessarily how she talks, but like how her sections are narrated. Because since she has autism, they're not put forth the same way as a character without autism would perceive the world and do things like that. And also, one thing I didn't mention earlier is that. The author also has autism and she found this out as an adult because, interestingly, autism presents very differently in women than in men because women do something called masking where they kind of, they take what they see others doing and then try and do it themselves so that you don't necessarily know, right? And that many times when you look at pamphlets that list all the different parts of having autism, that's not the right word. The tells, that's also not the right word. Huh, I don't know what the word is, but, like, the symptoms, I don't know if that's right either, of autism. Like, they're typically all focused on how it presents itself in males and not in females. And so, like, the author found out she had autism after she had her daughter who was four at the time and somebody wanted to test her for autism. So very interesting stuff and that like the author is writing kind of not necessarily her own story but at the end there's an author's note where she talks about finding out she had autism and how that really helped her like writing the Stella story helped her kind of work through some of that and things like that. Very interesting. So it's like very good representation and true representation and Stella is just such a sweetheart like I loved her. I loved her so much. Like, just so much about her really endeared me to her. And I was really rooting for her and her love with Michael. And I just, I just wanted them to be together so badly. But Michael was, like, I did like Michael and his character. And I enjoyed kind of the gender swap, dicot- like, the, the swapping of gender roles in this. Because, like, this this was, like, this isn't Pretty Woman. But in Pretty Woman, you have the the woman is the prostitute and then the man is the successful rich businessman. And in this book, the man is the escort and the woman is the successful economic, economicist. Hmm. She's not an economist, econometrician, econometrician. She basically uses, she studies data patterns in the economy to predict like market trends and things like that. And so she's super rich. So fascinating stuff right there. Oh, at the end, she uses her trust fund to pay for all of Michael's mom's medical bills. So he doesn't need to. And then Michael, this is the whole thought part I was forgetting. So then Michael is free to, is free to start his own clothing line and become a fashion designer. So super exciting stuff right there. Anyways, so I just enjoyed like yeah the fashion design like again normally when you think about fashion and fashion designing well like actually there's a lot of men who do fashion design but then when you think about it you're like they must be gay only gay men design fashion not true Michael is a straight man who does fashion design and has his own clothing line and Stella is in a studies economics and is a businesswoman and things like that. So, I just enjoyed also the gender swap of it because it gave you a very fresh take. Whereas, if the roles were reversed, the story is not as interesting. You, ha- It's not as... um, It's been done. This has not been done. This was fun. And so, I enjoyed that. So, like, I did like Michael. I liked that he was wanted to be and was a fashion designer. I liked that he cared for his family and he was doing those things. I... The one thing I really did not care for, though, was how secretive he was this whole entire time. At the end, you find out that his dad basically was a con artist, that he would go around conning women out of his, out of money, and then, like, was being, like, chased by the IRS, basically. And so, like, that doesn't get revealed until, like, the last, like, 50 or so pages or something like that. And, um... I don't know. I just felt like that could have been revealed earlier instead of me having to wonder this whole time. And then it was so interesting. Michael was like, I feel like when days are bad, I feel like I could do the same thing and just stealing money like my dad, like I'm no no better than him, blah, 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 blah. And so that was also the other part where I was like, whatever, Michael, like I get it. But also you're not like your dad, you're not actually going to steal this money. If you were going to do that, you would have done it a long time ago and not been an escort for the past three years. So I don't know, but Stella, fabulous. Michael, still good, but a little bit less fabulous than Stella. Um, uh, let's see. Okay, here's, here's a fun, fun thing. So, based off of how my friend described this book, I thought there was going to be way more sex, which I just feel like is so funny, because, like, when you hear the premise of this book that he's an escort and he's hired to help her, basically, you know, learn how to have good sex and be good at sex, you think this entire book must just be sex. That is not true. They're, they don't actually have sex until halfway through the book, and there's not really that many, like, sex scenes compared to the rest of the scenes versus when you would read an erotic romance novel. There are, like, double the amount of sex scenes than there are regular scenes, and so I said this to my friend. I was like, you must wonder what the heck I'm reading then, And yeah, I don't really talk about those novels on this podcast because this is a public, this is a public podcast. You guys don't need to be knowing those things about me, especially not my potential family listening to these things. So anyways, I just thought there would be more of it, but I really enjoyed the amount there was because I thought they were just going to have sex immediately. And I really liked the fact that they didn't until they had like a legit foundational relationship, things like that. I really liked the fact that, like, they stopped and just, like, kissing and some, like, touching and fingering and things like that at the beginning of the book during those first few sessions. So, like, I really enjoyed the amount that there was and I thought that it was, like, appropriate, but it also surprised me a little bit. And so, I don't, I think it was just because of the premise and the way that my friend talked about it. So, I I would be interested if she ever read one of those other books, what she would think about that because, you know there's a lot more sex in those, but what whatever. Let's see what else I have to say. Hmm. Okay. So I've looked at my list. I just have one last thing to talk about because I thought that this would be a really long episode, but I guess I talked really fast slash not as long about these different plot points that I, or these different points that I wrote down. So, No, I guess this is gonna be a shorter episode. Who knew? And the last thing I wanna talk about is the breakup. So what I found super interesting is that it happened earlier in the book than I thought it would. So normally and sometimes when you read a romance novel, one of my favorite booktubers, Cindy, from with Cindy, likes to call it the third act conflict. It doesn't really happen like where you would think it happens. It sometimes it'll happen like thirty pages before the end of the book. So it's like a big fight, they break up, they make up in the next chapter, and then it's the epilogue, basically. This book was not like that. There was probably at least, I don't know, 50 or 60 pages after their breakup scene of plot that is happening after that, which I thought was good because it gave it more time to be resolved. Now, it was clearly obvious that there was going to be some sort of, like, breakup because of the fact, you know, that, like, when you have a relationship like this, this also happens with fake dating, but in a different way. So, like, in this, because there was, like, a contract in place, he had, Michael ends up, like, part of the reason what it gets so bad is that Michael, when he moves out of Stella's place after they break up, he leaves the check. So, Stella thinks that, like, the whole thing was out of pity. Like, she really, like, is tying it to autism as the cause and things like that. And so, like, there was a lot of time in the second, like, I guess the whole thing that I'm trying to say here is that I liked that the breakup happened a bit earlier with more going on after it, because you're really seeing both characters make changes in their lives. With Stella, she, um, decides, like, that the, she thinks that, again, like I said, the reason that, um, Michael doesn't like her and has broken up with her is because of her autism, and so she's, like, I'm not gonna, like, let this define me, so she tries to, like, break all her routines. She, like, Rips the French seams out of her clothes and like tries to eat crazy foods and like wear her hair down and do these different things, and then she ends up just and she thinks like I have to quit my job because like I love it so much, and I can't like it's an obsession, like whatever, but then she ends up realizing that no, none of those she has autism that is a part of her, and she loves her job. why is she gonna quit it, and she's not going to change herself to like get this man or like do whatever. And so, she, like, comes to peace, really, about having autism and doesn't see it as negatively as she did earlier on in the book and throughout it. So, that's kind of what you're seeing there. And she also, like, stops and is like, I don't want just any man. I only want Michael. Like, he's the one that I want, right? On the other hand, you have Michael, who at first is really, like, down on himself, like, whatever, like it wasn't real, like, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean. You know what I'm talking about. But then his cousin's like, dude, what the heck? And his family's like, dude, what the heck? How could you let Stella go? Like, I love her. Like, what the heck? And he ends up, they all are like, you can't just keep living your life for others. You need to live your life for yourself, right? And then because Stella, like, ends up paying for the mom's treatment by starting this new program, that's funding, that basically pays medical bills for people without insurance basically because Michael's mom doesn't have insurance because of the whole thing with his dad stealing all the money. So like after that, that frees Michael to quit the um, dry cleaners because it doesn't make him happy and it allows him to launch his own line. So he needs to do, make those changes in his life before he goes back to Stella so that he can like come back as like I'm not just going to be down on my luck like chip on my shoulder I'm a escort blah 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 I can't live my dreams like he's pursuing them and then they're able to get back together. So like I really the part where they were broken up was still like a good part of the book. It was like necessary things like that. So I think that's where I'm going to leave it. 100% this book was worth the hype. This book was fabulous. I really really enjoyed The Kiss Quotient. Will I read The Bride Test and The Heart Principle? One day, I think I probably will. I don't, I would not anticipate episodes coming at you real soon about that, and let's also talk about episodes in the future right here. That's a great segue, Emma. Good job. So, this is the first episode you guys will be hearing after my move, and it is the last episode you will be hearing, at least for a while, or maybe ever, I'm not sure, recorded in my parents' house in my closet. I will now be recording in my new place and that'll be an adventure. We'll see how that sound quality goes, but whatever. So, the next episode that you get, I'm not sure what it will be because I'm currently reading a Finch Merlin book and the move is sure to be crazy. So, there might be a little bit more disruption in the upcoming weeks, but I promise I've got some good stuff coming in the works. I think maybe I might do an episode on my bad reading habits. I think that could be kind of fun. So that might be the next episode you see. Let me know what you think about that. Also, let me know what you thought about this episode or this book. You can send me your thoughts by email and email me at I read a book once blog at gmail.com or you can send me a DM and follow me on Instagram at IWriteABookOnceBlog. Make sure to follow me. Also, make sure to like, subscribe, and rate my podcast on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. I'd appreciate it so, 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 so much, and it would definitely help other people find this podcast, which would be absolutely fabulous. You could also check out my now defunct website, uh, iReadABookOnceBlog.com, with my old blog post. I own the domain, but I can no longer edit it, so it is what it is. With that, this was I Read a Book once. I'm Emma, and I'll catch you guys next time.